Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very, 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 very best friends, Alan Kaysen <laughs> and Jim Morrow. Do you realize that that this is the only part of the episode that Brett does not meticulously prepare with his perfectionist personality? <laughs> And that's why you're going to hear a pause in every episode. It's true. I'm like, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say I, next? I, I don't know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> well, unlike the amount of times Brett used very, today we're talking about baptism, which you only need once. Verily, verily. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll come back um, to that. And all our Baptist listeners, we just lost you. <laughs> Oh, give us give us a moment to make an argument for this. Yeah. Um, but before we do, um, as always, hit us up on social media at Podicesis is where you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can also leave a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'd love to see your comments on anything that we've said in other, um, other episodes, especially if they're comments that really say how good of a host I am. So Actually, I'm just, I— I would love to have all the comments that like correct where we're wrong. And here's why I oh, want to yeah, shout yeah. out my friends, uh, Rebecca Duke Barton and Jonathan Smith. I haven't heard from me in a while. And the it's problem true. with that is not that I'm worried you're not listening. It's that you're making me feel like we're right. And I know that <laughs> I know that we're not. There's, that's no, there's no way possible. That is a, that's an actual thing. Actually, <laughs> no. Rebecca, Jonathan, we love you. I just wanted to give you a shout out. Hey, I just true. want to pause. I just want to pause real quick and just say, man, um, we're, I think we're having a lot of new listeners. Yeah, we are. And so, you know, this may, I don't know, this may be their first time listening. It, it may be they're, they're going through, they've gone through all the episodes and they've now they, they've arrived. And we just want to say thank you. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. awesome. It's pretty awesome. That, I mean, it's all people from all over. It's just amazing. So. Yeah. yeah, man. I'm going to shout out Jamie and Chad and Alan and Zan and the River Class at First Methodist Church in Albany. I uh, just want to give you all a shout out. That's awesome. Nice. For a second there, Jim, I thought you were making those names. <laughs> Have like, I no integrity, Maddox? <laughs> Leroy and Zach and... Uh... <laughs> and then you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, hey, those are, let me, let me those do are a quick follow-up on last last week's episode mm -hmm. uh, real quick. We, we talked a little bit about uh, some experiences we had at the Spirit and Truth Conference, mm -hmm. and we're going to put in the show notes for you... Um, we the spirit and truth is just kind of put out a wonderful uh video just of some people's experience there i'd love for you to take a look at that um and also uh dr kevin watson um really did a beautiful write-up uh an article that you've probably seen me share already by the time this airs um but i would love for you to take a take a read there not it's not only just about you know the experience of the conference but just about the um the methodism that we love and yearn for and we see coming to life and renewal in our world mm, so i want to shout out that's awesome that's awesome um and it has been shouted so good deal um so uh all right where was i uh comments of the last episode we've done that okay anyway hey, do you want to do you want to have another debate about uh prima and sola scriptura no, I don't. It really wasn't a debate. It was me going. I actually kind of agree. I, you I agree. you wouldn't say it was a debate because Please. I won. 
Please, because you no. Are... <laughs> no. I mean, it's not much of a debate if I'm sitting there going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right, right. fine. We need, yeah, to, yeah. We need to get yeah. in. I, I just, just don't I just... like to watch my friends fight. I just read an article about how people don't earn all their banter before they get into the subject matter on podcasts, so we should just move on. All right, just moving on. All right, fair enough. So, all right, we're going to get into the question of the day or questions of the day dealing with baptism. This should be non-controversial at you know, that would be beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's just start off. What is baptism? Oh, is that my part? Okay, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's and like we we've jumped the shark. It's like we haven't done this 47 other times. I know. Um, <laughs> um, what is baptism? Is that yeah. the question? What is baptism? What is it? Okay. I'm so curious. You know, um, let me tell you. Uh, baptism is a sacrament in which the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit does signify and seal our grafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. And to whom is baptism to be administered? Well, baptism is not to be administered to any that are out of the visible church. Till the profess their their so faith good. in Christ and obedience to Him, but the infants of such as are member of the visible church are to be baptized. Uh, so not not sure so, if that was real English, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was that was me typing, and apparently there's some typos. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we yeah. had a little scribal error. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll keep the error in there for transmission's sake, so uh, yes. it, it's fine. Um, Till they profess their faith in Christ and obedience to him, but infants of such are members of the visible church and are to be baptized. So uh, so let's go ahead and get into some scripture proofs on this, and we've got a few, and I'm going to turn it over to Jim. Yeah, well, I'll just uh, share two with you. Um, you can, we talked about some of them last week, but here's a few more. Acts 8, 36 to 37. Um, As they were going along the road, this is <sighs> Philip. And the Ethiopian eunuch, mm -hmm. as they were going along the road, uh, hashtag reading scripture from Isaiah, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And so in this story, what we have happening um, is that, well, one, I just, you, you've got to note, if you're looking at these verses in a modern translation, um, Verse 37 is actually in a footnote now, not when the Westminster Divines wrote this. Verse 37 reads, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So in the old, old, old non-footnoted versions, what prevents him from being baptized? Nothing if he professes his faith in Jesus. Right. Right. Gosh, scripture, scriptural transmission is fun. Yes, it is. Hey, did um, was it literally hashtag Isaiah? Was like, is that in the scripture? Like, I was scribal, scribal error. I was just giving okay. some context. Okay, all right. Yeah. Just That's the annotated version. Yeah, I mean, so I'll give you a five-second <laughs> overview. Message. The Ethiopian eunuch in, in multiple ways is 
his body, uh, his uh, status, his ethnicity all put him squarely outside of the Jewish people. And you remember the mission that Jesus gives the apostles in Acts is you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And this is one of the first occasions where that mission and prophecy is coming true because the Ethiopian eunuch will then take his faith back to Ethiopia. That's right. Um, and so what happens is he's just reading the scroll of the book of Isaiah and he says, I don't understand this. And the spirit had led Philip to kind of be there and stop him and ask him about it. And so Philip is reading with him Isaiah and uh, talking about how Isaiah is really speaking of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the spirit moves among the, the sharing of the word of God and the Ethiopian has an experience of faith. And upon his confession of faith, he as an adult who can speak for himself mm -hmm. is baptized. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I like bookending it with this in my version, in my section here, Genesis 17, 10. This is God talking to Abraham. He said, God says to him, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Um, so one of the things that is important to remember is baptism is analogous in the new covenant to circumcision in the old covenant. There's an analogy of the physical entrance into the family of God. Now, in the old covenant, it was a male-centric sign um, for obvious reasons. We're not going to get in. I'm not a biologist. We're not going to get into. There's a little um, cultural moment for you guys. Um, so we don't need to get into what circumcision is. You can like don't look that up on your own, but ask ask a trusted friend. Um, <laughs> trusted yeah, that friend. If you were to Google that, the the results would be NSFW. Yes, it would. Um, you don't want that in your search history. Uh, I'm being flippant, but the idea here is that for Abraham, who is the one who's received the covenant, the covenant's for a people, and Abraham brings those under his stewardship into his covenant through circumcision. In the same way that infants and people who are unable to answer for themselves, like those with diminished mental capacity, um, can be brought are, are part of the visible family of the faithful and can then receive now the sacrament of baptism. All right. So if you say, well, where is infant baptism in the scripture? If you're putting, if you're using the God-given gift of reason, one place you can see the analogy is here with the old covenant um, initiation ritual of circumcision. Mm -hmm. All right. There's my spiel. At the, before we even got started, Alan made a pretty, I would say, pretty incredible comment that really kind of pushed me and Jim back a little bit. What was that comment you made about baptism? Um, it was the fact that um, baptism versus circumcision is uh, more egalitarian than, um, than circumcision. So mm -hmm. circumcision obviously was only for males. Mm-hmm. Um, and those males represented the whole family in, right. in that system. Right. Um, whereas baptism is open to all, everyone, male, female, um, young, old. Um, right. So everyone can and should uh, uh, be baptized as they profess their faith um, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, um, 
um, as a child. So, so yeah, in in the in the scope of God's mission, because you know He starts with Israel to be a light for the nations, and yes. as that mission starts to unfold, God actually becomes like He in, He invites us to a more and more open life. Well, it's the idea that Christ, you know, Christ died once and for all. And yeah. so um, it's even, yeah, it's for the whole world. And so it's it, God, that we're talking, as we talk about means of grace, God wants to dispense his grace on everyone. Right. Um, and so, and, and baptism is a, um, a physical sign of that. And, and as such, you, you can say that the church affirms, um, the imago dei, the sacred worth, and the vital function, not just of males, but males and females. Mm-hmm. And so for, the, for those to push back a little on the Christianity is backwards, public narrative in the world, you can watch how God honors uh, all people. So, yeah, Absolutely. All right. Um, okay. Alan, yeah, I think I'm going to... I'm, yeah. I'm take a couple of passages, one from Galatians and one from Romans. So I'm going to start with Galatians, and then that's going to lead me into Romans. So um, the, the, the catechism talks about um, our grafting into Christ, mm. that baptism is a grafting into Christ. Um, we, we take on Christ and um, his likeness, and, and that is a, baptism is a sign of that. So Galatians, I'm going to read verses... Uh, chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, uh, Paul writes, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Again, that grafting into the family of God. Mm -hmm. Um, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So um, this past Lent, my whole sermon series has been on putting on Christ. So we, we 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 haven't been focusing on what to take off in terms of like, um, um, fasting during Lent and things that you would put down during Lent. Um, we've been focusing on what to take on as we put on Christ, as we close our, clothe ourselves with Christ. So there's, there's all these traits. There's all these, um, like the likeness of Christ that we put on and baptism is a sign of that, that we are putting on Christ. Um, and so to go even deeper with that, Paul writes in Romans six, and, uh, this is like, um, we've talked a lot about sanctifying grace. Mm-hmm. And how um, Christ, um, through His death um, and resurrection, He breaks the power of sin in our lives. And mm-hmm. so Paul's, he, um, he, he, he is, he is pushing back on the idea that we should continue to sin, which is ridiculous. Although practically speaking, most of us can, uh, yeah, most of us believe that practically because we are we continue to sin. So, but he uses baptism to talk about why we shouldn't. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to read it and then we'll talk about it. So what shall we say then? This is Romans 6 verse 1, and I'm going to read several verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have, um, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Uh, 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to, to God. And last verse, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the symbolism here is of baptism and, and, and think about immersion or the good Southern word of dunking. Um, and you are, you are, um, um, the pastor takes you down into the waters. And so you're dying with Christ. So you're, your sins are, 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 are gone. And then you're rising with Christ. And so you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so, so when it talks about grafting into Jesus, we are, we, 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 uh, we take on his death. We take on his, his resurrection as well. And so as, as Christians, baptism is a sign of, of all of that, that, that we are um, dying to ourselves and we're, we're rising, um, to new life in Jesus, which includes the, the, through the power of the Holy spirit, the ability to choose not to sin. So, um, just there's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, one other piece I think I want to bring up just in the way that Paul talks about baptism there. It's not just something that has happened to you or that you chose to do. It's not a, a past event. It is now an identity that you carry. Mm -hmm. You're, you haven't just been baptized. You are the baptized. And so Paul is appealing to the fact that you are baptized, and so therefore this is your life. So it's not just, hey, yeah, I've been baptized, but like it changes. You, you have new new descriptors now. Live into that baptism. Yeah, um, yeah. this is who you are, and this yes. is what this is what baptized people believe about yes. sin and their participation in Jesus's life and death and resurrection. So that's an important piece later when we'll talk about, hey, why can't I get baptized again? Yeah, so uh, I love, um, I've seen this in a few Catholic churches, uh, particularly the beautiful, beautiful cathedral in Savannah, uh, that the baptismal font, which is also has the holy water uh, cups in it, um, where they, you know, you can mark yourself with the baptismal waters, um, is at the entrance of the, the sanctuary. So you are coming in as the baptized, and so yeah. either you're baptized into the church or you come in and you mark yourself with the baptism waters, reminding yourself that you are the baptized coming into the church. Which and, a lot of people associate with Roman Catholics, which makes it hard. That's not, I mean, that's that's a that's not something that you can't practice. Right. You know, like right. I almost wish, like I wonder what would happen. Our, if, let's, yeah, let's just move our baptistry to the, to the... Yeah, if I put the font out front, one, would yeah. I get pushback? But two, wouldn't it be a beautiful moment? Yeah. Being baptized into... The church, because that's what baptism. I mean, it's, you're yeah, being this initiated. This is who we into. are. This is who we are. All right. So um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 28, and I am actually going to read the uh, few verses before verse 19. Uh, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus before he ascends into heaven, given his final call, his final commission, if you will, to the, uh, to the disciples to go. This is not just for you to stay here and to sit on, but you are to go out with this message, with this good news, and as people come to faith in me, you are to baptize them into this family. You are to baptize them into this community. You are to baptize them into this faith, and then and teach them everything that I have told you. So again, as Alan talked about with the egalitarian piece to this, this is for everyone. I like how Brian Russell puts it in his Bible study invitation, where the first 11 chapters, if you will, of Genesis really are for everybody. It's like all of humanity. And then it comes down to this real fine point of Abraham and his family, and really we're following that thread throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, and then we get to the New Testament, we see Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and then once the Holy Spirit comes and and falls upon the disciples, then it opens back up to the whole world. And so what we have here, we live in the age where the gospel is not for a particular people, it's for not for a particular gender. It's not for a particular uh, socioeconomic status. The gospel is for everyone. It is the, as Paul will put it, the foolish message for everyone. And we, as the baptized, have a mission to go and to proclaim that good news. And then once we proclaim it, we bring people into the water. We bring people into the water and say, hey, you're you're part of our family. You're part of family now. And so um, I just love that image. I always go back to it, that beautiful, beautiful image there uh, from, from, from Matthew. <clears throat> uh, I do want to read to y'all uh, a section from uh, Thomas Oden's John, John Wesley's Teachings. This is his uh, four-volume set on John Wesley's Teachings. And Oden, talking about baptism, as we get into why baptism matters, uh, he, he says this, uh, using Wesley's teachings, he says, Baptism, strictly speaking, is not the same as rebirth, but the new life in Christ calls for the grace of baptism. The command in Scripture is stated clearly in Peter, by Peter in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the sign of regeneration. Regeneration is the thing signified, and baptism is the sign. Baptism points to the reception of regenerating grace, which is commanded, let's see, which is commanded in baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Wesley cautions against excessively spiritualized view of baptism that would diminish its physical expression. Water symbolizing death and burial in water, ritual cleansing by water, and the rising up in new life. There is no baptism without water as it's abundant. Let me repeat that. There is no baptism without water as its abundant, life-giving, common cleansing physical expression. So baptism is the sign of the thing, I guess is what he's getting at. Baptism is the sign of the thing, of the regenerating that is taking place 
within us. And that's a message we take out to the people who need to hear the gospel, who need to hear Mm. the good news. And like we, we had talked about in a previous episode, uh, John the Baptist talks about his baptism being in water for repentance and Christ's baptism also being baptized with the Holy spirit there. While it is a sign of something, it is also, um, there is God is present and there is a spiritual transmission of, of actual grace. And it does correspond with this idea of regeneration, yes, which is beautiful. Because if you only think about being saved as being forgiven of your sins and going to heaven when you die, you miss the fact that you are made new by the Spirit. Well, that's what you know, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6, is mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. being, living in, as, as we are alive in Christ. Absolutely. All right, so let's a uh, couple of questions here to uh, get to some of the more controversial topics here. How many times can you be baptized? As many times as you can be circumcised. (laughs) Dang! (laughs) You know what this is? That's the mic dropping and rolling on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you about it. Um, Baptism is one of the people get when people want to get baptized sometimes additionally when they've had additional spiritual experiences because it's the only way that maybe we have offered um a way of expressing that with the same amount of drama and emotion as people as it warrants however um remember god is the active agent in sacrament god is the active agent in your baptism god did it right you may have failed your promise but god never fails his promise right um, and so you are baptized, even if you slide and make a shipwreck and all of those things, you don't require additional baptism. You require additional repentance. You require mm-hmm. renewal. You require remembering who you are in your baptism. Mm-hmm. Give you a quick example. 11 years old, baptized, Kingsland First Baptist Church. Only went there because my friend's grandma always used to took, take us to get Frosties and Double Stacks after church eventually great reason to go to church yeah really is actually whatever gets you in there thank you wendy um (laughs) and i felt a conviction and was asked if i wanted to be baptized i said yes did i understand fully what i was doing no was baptized years later i was away from the church probably months after that years later came to christ and i have never been more thankful that god was more faithful to my baptism than i was i did not need to be rebaptized because while i may not have fully understood and while i may not have lived up to my promise. God did, and God is the active agent. Yeah, and so to be rebaptized, or, or you know, to it, whether we realize this or not, um, is we're saying that God didn't do it right the first time. Right. right. Um, and, and, and that's, well, that's simply not true, right? So, um, but I, I, most people don't come at it from that angle. They've had this experience, and they, like you said, they don't know any other way to market than baptism um but it it's oftentimes we've had that experience because we have fallen away and now we've returned mm-hmm. and so we want to we want to mark it we want to remember it and we we have those moments we 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 do offer uh ways of marking it other than baptism so mm-hmm. that's i guess for the pastors who are listening it's it's our job to one to do the proper teaching up front mm-hmm. but then uh when those when those encounters do happen and those and our, our, our folks do come to us it's we reteach, um, and, um, and we, we offer other ways to mark the moment. Yes. Right. Yeah. Offer the ways, get, I mean, get them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with 
having water there to offer a way of remembering one's baptism, to let them feel it, to maybe even get in the water again, just, you know, that, that's, those are great markers. And other ways too, uh, and a lot of churches do this so well, like normalize the beauty of coming up and and reaffirming your faith in front of the in front of the church yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. normalize that celebration yeah um normalize the sharing of testimony yeah and those all become ways too we just have to get into people's minds baptism yeah we celebrate it but we also celebrate what you're doing and this is how we do that yeah and it is as dramatic and it is as exciting yeah no that's that's good um, you know, much like Jim, I was baptized in the in a Roman Catholic church when I was five, uh, coming out of a very nominal Catholic Catholic family. Um, uh, you know, we weren't even Easter Christian Catholics. We uh, Chris, Easter Christmas Catholics. We were, you know, whenever we went to church type. You thing. weren't keisters. We weren't keisters. No, no. The rest of the year sitting so, on your keister. Uh, <laughs> wow. wow. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's keister. Okay, yeah, we were keisters then. But um, but I was baptized when I was five, and um, as Jim said, uh, you know, when I when I gave my life to the Lord when I was uh, seventeen, sixteen. Um, the, uh, I went to my pastor at the UM church I was going to, and, um, he, he talked, he talked to me. He said, I want you to stand up. And I want you to give your testimony. Um, uh, but you've already been baptized and we're going to celebrate that. And that was it. And that's all I needed to hear. That's all I needed mm-hmm. to hear. And I was thankful and have been ever since. All right. So, uh, baptism one, one baptism. There's only one baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, who are to be baptized? Now, it says in the Catechism, uh, baptism's not to be administered to any that are outside of the visible church. Um, and I'll tell you about that if you're curious. Yeah, go ahead. Um, there's the There was the practice, and you can see it, actually. Yeah. There's something in the Bible about it in Thessalonians. But a very, very big practice in the Roman Catholic Church, particularly at the time, though may still be practiced, but it was being abused um, around finances of baptizing the dead. Mm-hmm. being baptized for the dead. And so uh, one of the reasons you'll see the term visible church or, or all these kind of things about baptism is uh, in this era of writing is just to recognize, hey, look, um, we baptize the, the living. Yeah. Um, and there's more to say there, but that's kind of what that's about. Yeah. Uh, so um, so the visible church, uh <clears throat> Till they profess their faith in Christ. So the the ancient church used to do baptism after instruction. So they would have you would convert, you would be you go through a you know time of catechism for a year, maybe three years, however long that took, and then you were baptized after that time of catechism, and it was this beautiful ceremony, honestly. You'd go down to a body of water, um, you'd, you'd be wearing clothes, you would take off your clothes and be fully naked, get into the water, you'd come out, they'd pour oil over you to signify the Holy Spirit, then you'd come out and they'd wrap you in some white white clothes or white cloth or linen or something like that. Um, but that was after a period of catechesis, if you will, of teaching of what it meant. So you've come to faith in Christ. What does that mean? And then they would take you into the waters for baptism. Um, so till they profess their faith in Christ and obedience in Him. Now we come to the infants part. What about infants? What about those who can't answer for themselves? Uh, why do certain denominations 
baptize infants, and some denominations not. Well, I think I mean, one of the reasons is God's God's active in our lives. God's grace is working in our lives, even when we are unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is certainly true as an adult. As an adult, like there, like I can go, I mean, going about my day and not even realize that God is working. Um, but that's even more true for children and infants who basically have no idea what's going on. They're just eat, sleep, and Easter. other things. And, uh, um, and so, um, they, they are not aware of it. So yes, they can't answer for themselves, but it is who's the acting agent. God is the acting agent. So, um, it's, baptism for infants is a, is a recognition that God is working in that child's life, even though they're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we, but like in our church, we, 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 we require parents to, to answer for their children and the church also answers yeah. uh, for that child as well. So, right. Yeah. And you also have scriptural warrant and it it requires a little bit of putting things together, which everything does. Um, Why, why is it not explicitly stated in the scriptures that infants are baptized partially because they're in a Jewish culture where it's not abnormal at all for infants to be initiated into the faith. You've got to remember, why is it not mentioned explicitly? I'm not going to do it if it's not mentioned explicitly. It is not mentioned explicitly because it was so normal it wasn't needed to. Not baptism, Mm -hmm. but circumcision. Mm -hmm. Every faithful Jew would bring their child to, male child, to be circumcised and blessed at the temple. Mm -hmm. When they were eight. When they were. I mean, not eight eight days old. Eight 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 days days old. old. Not eight years old. Eight days old. Yeah. 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 And so why is it not explicit? That's why it's not explicitly mentioned. Now, uh, in Acts, you see instances of a father or a representative of a family coming to faith and their entire household being mm-hmm. baptized family baptisms Acts 16. you could say well that doesn't include infants it includes their adult servants possibly so however that harkens right back to the passage we read about abraham where god said you uh, and all of the males in your family shall be circumcised yeah which brings forward the jewish law of circumcision of infant males mm-hmm. so it's not only recognizing prevenient grace that goes before though it is it is also recognizing that the children of the faithful are raised into and initiated into the church Mm -hmm. we do a lot of things to initiate our children before they choose for themselves my children are morrows Mm -hmm. because whether now whether they live into the ethos of what it means to be a part of my family or extend that that'll be up to them but i gave them that name Mm -hmm. All right, because they are mine. Mm-hmm. Before they know what that means, mm-hmm. um, we they eat their vegetables mostly. <laughs> mostly, um, they don't. They didn't choose that when we were giving them mashed peas and baby food jars. Yeah, but we initiated them into proper eating habits. Um, there's so many things, like we bring them to church. They are not absent from the family of faith. They need to be conf- they need to confirm their faith for themselves. Baptism does not save them, but they are initiated into the family of faith in the same way that eight-day-old male Jewish males were circumcised into the family of the Jewish faith. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. So for all of you who uh, for uh, if there's ordination papers left to write, all of you ordinands coming up who need to answer your quadrilateral quadrilateral question about infant baptism. Yeah. That's a pretty solid overview. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and, you know, let's also take into consideration 
the role of the church in raising up the child. And as Jim said, you know, for me, um, coming into this denomination, I, I remember still being in seminary wrestling with infant baptism and what I thought of infant baptism. Um, and it was a number of things that brought me around, but very practically, the fact that we do confirmation was very helpful for me, that we know that in a child's life, there's going to be a period of time uh, of, of, of certain extent that we're going to be able to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus at some and point where they are, they are able to answer for themselves. And to make firm, they themselves own and make firm the promise yeah. declared by God, by the church, yeah. by their parents yeah. at their baptism. That's exactly right. Also, this is one of the things, uh, me being a Wesleyan, a Wesleyan Arminian is also helpful for this because um, just as we can come to um, put our faith in Christ, Wesleyans believe that you know we can also turn away from Jesus. And so uh, that also shows that we can also turn back to Jesus. So as Jim was saying, you know, you're baptized in the church, but then you walk away from it, but then you come back. There's this sense that God's grace is always there, um, but, it, but you know, we understand that we're also can be idiots and walk away from it and, and turn away from it. But God's promise is still there calling us, much like the prodigal son and the dad there, you know, welcoming his son home whenever he came back. And um, calling his older son back into the house. Back into the house. Back yes. into this, the bring, house. this brings up a good, a good distinction that um, I think people may be wrestling with at some point in the future. Maybe they already have. Why not just dedicate the baby instead of baptize the baby? Mm-hmm. Now, I know we all have different experiences, maybe with our own children and what we've chosen to do, mm-hmm. but why would why why not just dedicate a baby and promise to raise them right and show the cuteness in front of the church mm-hmm. why baptize well I, I mean for me it, you know who baptized both my boys it was to affirm that god is doing it's working in eli and jack's life even in that moment Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, I, I, it was for me, it was God. I knew that God was working in their life. Like I know, I know, I know that. So it's more than just me saying, Hey God, I'm going to give you my son, but it is also just knowing that God is working in their life. And I wanted to affirm that in front of the church. Mm-hmm. It's also, I'm going to pick back up because I think it's super important. The circumcision language. It's also because I am a part of this family. They are born into this family. Therefore, they are part of this family. They mm-hmm. will one day be fully initiated through their profession of their faith in the same way that their initiation needs for families throughout generations. I, I baptized my children for the same reason I gave them a birth certificate. They're because part of the family. The, their birth certificate, they belong to me. Yeah. And in baptism, they belong to God. Yeah. Now I know that there are families that have chosen not to for various reasons, and I don't want to I don't want to take that away. But as an argument to say why why not just yeah. and why why not just choose why not just say can I, what you have a baby well up at our church we dedicate them or baptize them. Um, those are those are some of the reasons there. You recognize God's active grace in their life. God yeah. claims them through baptism. You initiate them into the family that they're born into and give them. Don't withhold from them their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person who has the luxury and the gift of being born into the faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a culture where there's not very many churched folks, where uh, you're, we're going to start seeing 
those who come to faith uh, not being well with stories of not growing up in the church but coming to faith later on in their lives. I think there's something very beautiful about someone who has uh, been in the faith in a way, um, at least grown up in the faith from the cradle and on. And even if there was a following following away period um, or a backing away period or whatever. Uh, that person has come back. There's something just very beautiful about a family who almost is countercultural and saying, "We're going to raise our kids in this faith." And yeah, that's it. I think that's a kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, and of course, no judgments made. I'm just trying to offer if you have that question yeah. for your own children, or if somebody's asking you, you know, why do we practice this and why would I do that? Those are those are some of the ways that you can describe yeah. it. Yeah. It's in no way me saying, um, "Hey, if you didn't baptize your children, what's the matter with you?" Yeah, sure. So, like for instance, um, Kristen and I did not have our children baptized as infants mm-hmm. um, in the Methodist Church. There's nothing that says you have to baptize your your child. It's though it, we should encourage as pastors. Absolutely, to, yeah. absolutely. At the time that we got married. Um, and then I entered the ministry at the age of 10. Um, <laughs> you were like four years old, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were I born was, with a stole around your neck. Yeah, so um, I actually wasn't in seminary when I started. I was finishing my undergrad and um, been raised Methodist my entire life, but um, knew that we baptized infants. But I did not have the language to um, to um, uh, explain it. I guess. And so as I entered seminary, as much as like Brett sort of talked about, um, I went through my own little journey of like, okay, what is it that we believe? Why do we believe it? How do I talk about it? And, um, um, and, and Kristen was raised uh, more, uh, it was a non-denominational church, but it was basically Baptist. And so she grew up with the the idea of believers baptism. And so um, we just, it was one of those compromises that we made early on in our marriage um, that we were just going to wait. We were just going to let our children go through confirmation, which my oldest is going through confirmation right now is deciding to publicly profess his faith in Jesus. And I'm going to get to baptize him in, in, uh, uh, at the time, maybe by the time this is, this is aired, he'll already have gone through it. But, um, so I'm super excited about that, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, so people make those decisions for all kinds of reasons. So, uh, yeah, I don't want people here to Jim, like knocking people for that, but, um, it is good Jim to have that language and be able to, 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 yeah. to tell people why we believe what we believe about we half of, what we practice. I found that there's a lot of regionalization and practices. Like, so I did ministry for years in Savannah, Georgia, which has, uh, it just got a larger Roman Catholic population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there was never any question about infant baptism. However, when I got more into uh, the eastern, south, southeastern, middle Georgia kind of area, it's predominantly Pentecostal and Baptist. And so there was less of a framework. In fact, there was a lot of pushback and it was in, and it, there had not been a lot of teaching partially because, you know, partially because sometimes divorced Baptist pastors can get licensed in the Methodist church. (laughs) They come and (laughs) preach these churches for generations and they don't, they don't teach the fullness of the faith. So um, there was a lot more of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, part of it, you're is regional for a pastor. Where are you and what's going on around you? 
and you know what's been well and, and frankly i mean the i you know believers about the the one who's acting is we are we're we're the ones who are acting you know we yeah. it's all about our decision yeah to follow jesus and so the, the understanding that we have of baptism is is fundamentally different yeah that god is the one acting mm-hmm. and yeah. so if god's acting who cares how it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter your age yeah um ultimately you know so um yeah. so it's a it's 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 two different ways of looking at it and the wow. emphasis is on two different things so yeah. another an, another mic drop moment for alan case <laughs> yeah. good lord let me let me bring let me bring a slight bit of snark i'll build a little straw man and get snarky about it um uh, you not yeah not, shut not. your mouth shut your mouth so there's a yeah, huge correlation two people are like no you're only saved by faith and not by works you know and then they do that whole thing mm-hmm. and then they say well you have to be a believer to be baptized you can't be baptized as an infant and it's almost as if you're creating a human condition upon salvation and upon baptism um so you're almost falling into your own logical trap if i have to choose something before god can act then i have fallen into the work for righteousness that i don't that i talk against Mm. so logical trap hey how much water do you have to use to be baptized um all of it. <laughs> no. You can only um, be baptized during a monsoon. Yeah. So we believe in, right. We believe in, we, we practice three forms of modes. Really we're getting into modes, right? Is that yeah, what modes we're of baptism, basically? Modes yeah. Modes of baptism, yeah. three forms of baptism. So uh, most Methodists, uh, most people view me- know Methodists as the sprinkling Methodist, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, um, we sprinkle water on the head mm-hmm. um, and, um, and baptize the infant or an adult who doesn't matter um there's pouring um which is basically um basically a pitcher. heavy sprinkling yeah, <laughs> heavy, heavy sprinkling, sprinkling yeah. with a yeah. with sort of a pitcher and a basin and and yeah. the, the, um and then there's full immersion um or dunking and um i make the claim I, and something my dad always used to say is like most methodist churches don't have a baptistry like a That's like right. a full baptistry sort of like behind the choir loft or whatever, wherever, you know, or, you know, to the side or whatever. Uh, we don't, they weren't built in and yet, yeah. yet we have always practiced these three modes of baptism. All yeah. we have is a, usually is a font um, for the sprinkling or the pouring, um, which is a shame. So now all of us in the last 20 years have been going to tractor supply and getting us a uh, cow yeah. trough and, That's uh, right. and put it in the, um, <laughs> put it in the church. Yeah. Um, because I do think in, instead of, before maybe going to a pond or to a pool or something like that. Um, because I think there's power in doing it in the church in yeah. with the, the church present, because they are, they are a part of the baptism yeah. as well. It's not, yeah. it's um, not just the person uh, or the pastor It's the, it's the whole church that's yeah. involved. So, um, um, and so like for confirmation, I'm, I'm ending confirmation. And so I'm going to have, I think I'm going to have two immersions. I'm going to have a few remembering your baptisms. Um, because several of them were baptized as infants and so um um but we're gonna bring up we're gonna we're gonna get our cow trough out of the closet and we're gonna bring it in to the sanctuary and make it happen kevin that's awesome so, that's awesome yeah, so it just takes water so let me yeah. let me tell let me right. tell you a brief story i, I don't want to go over time but it, it has to do with the time i was in israel all right so there was an argument with a friend of mine we had gone together and he was a baptist and as we were getting ready to go and remember our baptism in the Jordan river, you know, everybody likes to do that. Like Jesus did. 
he was just dogging me about, well, the Bible says Jesus was dunked. And I said, prove it. And he had trouble because the Bible doesn't say that Jesus was dunked. And then he says, aha, he came up out of the water, which means he was under the water. Okay, so there was his argument. Now watch this. Two things happened. One, we get to the one of the traditional sites where they practice baptisms in the Jordan River, and we come across an ancient unearthed mosaic that was put back up on a wall mm -hmm. that showed Jesus standing in the Jordan River and John the Baptist pouring water over his head. Mm -hmm. All right, so number one, the ancient church didn't necessarily believe that Jesus was dunked only. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to get into the Jordan River, we had to walk down the bank, which means that after we remembered our baptism, or some people were baptized for the first time, we walked up out of oh, the water. Mm -hmm. So my point is, it ain't no thing. Dunk right. them, sprinkle them, pour them, get some water on them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the most ancient teaching manuals we have from the church, uh, earliest church, is the Didache. And or as in, I like to call it, the Didache. The Didache. <laughs> the Didache. And in it, when it talks about baptism, it's very pastoral. So it says, look for a body of water to immerse. But if you can't find that body of water, then look for any type of fresh water. If you can't find that, look for any other type of water. So the idea is just let there be water. Let there be water. Yep. So, so hey, for those for those who say immersion only, like I ain't mad at you, like it ain't no thing. Um, yeah. But I would argue, say other people's baptisms are valid too. Um, for those who want to have sprinkling or pouring, go ahead. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, if you want to be immersed in the Methodist Church, did you know you could do that? We will dunk you all, all day, day long. long. That's yes. right. Hey, Brett, hey, in so, your in your ancient church. Uh, Ancient church uh, catechism research. Have you come across the fact that they used to dunk babies too? Uh, the I know the Orthodox Church does. They do uh, now. They do now. But um, so they, that practice came from somewhere. But I haven't seen much. No. Yeah, it's back in the day they used to either pass them through the water completely submerged, yeah. or submerge them completely, immerse them yeah. completely. So um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, we talk all these differences, all these, um, you know, we practice this and that other churches do this and that. And, um, now there are some theological reasons for a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I always point to this passage in John four. Um, and, uh, it says now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Mm -hmm. But then verse two says, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, we get all this, we get all wound up and tight and you're not doing it the right way. You're not using enough water, all this stuff. And, the, and the, yes, Jesus was baptized. So that's a, that's a huge deal. And this is a sacrament. It's a very important, but yeah, Jesus wasn't the one who was baptizing. It was his disciples. Mm. And so, um, I just, I don't know. It's just a general reminder to me. It's like some of this stuff doesn't matter. What really matters is the fact that this is a sign um, of God's grace working in our lives, of our initiation into the family, um, and 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 so forth, and our our dying with Christ and our and our raising with Christ. That that's what's important. And um, so I don't know. It's just a little thing, little little tidbit in Scripture that I like to point to. I love it. As we're as we wrap up, I want to I want to say this. I don't know who's listening to us. All right. If you are listening to us, and you have not been baptized, yes, mm. and you 
are finding yourself stirred by Christ and or mm. have given your life to Christ, we want you to be a part of our family, yeah. not our family, God's family of which we are a part. If you haven't known the grace of the sacrament of baptism, please go talk to your pastor yeah. and then celebrate with us. Now, I also want to invite you this, catechumens, potecumens, have you been baptized? Do you remember what that means for you? You don't have to remember the act. You might have been a child. But can you remember who you are because you were baptized? Like we talked about in Romans 6, they'd be a great day to remember your baptism, to meditate on and ask God to show you again the way that you are clothed in Christ and what that means for your life today. For you are not an orphan. You are not alone. You belong to no master. You belong to God. And you are God's child. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, we'll let that be our closing thought. Our next episode will be epi- will be on the Lord's Supper, and so that will be uh, that'll be fun to talk about. As a reminder, I'm hungry. I know. <laughs> um, as a reminder, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcasting Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, visit spiritandtruth.life. Hit us up on social media. At Podakesis is where you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Uh, you can also leave us an email, questions at podakesis.com. That is questions at podakesis.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 404 635 6679. As always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. And guys, I think this has been a pretty pretty good episode, and I'm excited about it. And um, I would like to say that I think we here at the Podakesis Podcast, we're uh, we're for baptism. I think <laughs> we, love we, we love spore it. it. We, we spore it. We spore it. We ain't against it. <laughs> so, we ain't uh, against it. So, Podakumans, we hope you have a great day, and God bless. <laughs>